Are you looking for food truck books to read, but you're starting to feel overwhelmed with all the content? Or maybe you're trying to find answers to your questions, but you realize you haven't asked the right questions to get those answers. Well, you're in luck. I wrote the book, Before You Launch a Food Truck, Eight Questions Every Aspiring Food Trucker Should Ask. For the past five years, I have been studying the food truck industry and been a diehard food truck customer. And in the process of that, I've learned a lot about what makes a good food truck stand out among the rest. I took eight of those key concepts and created a book where I could have curbside conversations with each of you about them. What makes this book different is not only that it's digestible and designed to not overwhelm you, but it also propels you into action. You can purchase Before You Launch a Food Truck today at thefoodtruckscholar.com shop in paperback and ebook format, as well as on Amazon. For every copy purchased, I'm donating a copy to organizations committed to helping formerly incarcerated individuals re-enter society, particularly those that are interested in starting their own food business. So, Buy a copy today to help yourself and someone else get rolling and keep trucking. Admit it, we've all been there. We've spent precious time trying to figure out where to eat and that search only becomes more difficult when trying to support Black-owned spots. I know I have. Thankfully, there's now an app for that. Eat Okra is the go-to app for connecting foodies to Black-owned food trucks and restaurants, while also connecting food entrepreneurs to the customers that want to show them some love. Download the okra today. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Food Truck Scholar Podcast, brought to you by Eat Okra. I'm your host, Ariel D. Smith, and I appreciate you for choosing to kick it with me for yet another episode. Y'all, Season three is all about expansion. We've expanded to 40 episodes deep. We've expanded to guests from all around the world. And today's guest is a prime example of that. And so is his menu. But I'm not going to give it all away. You're going to absolutely love our main dish discussion. We got a few quick announcements. But for now, sit back and relax. The show starts now. Welcome back to the Food Truck Scholar Podcast. Let's dive in to the main dish discussion. Sure, Sean. The name of my food truck is called Spice Republic. We're based in Switzerland in a county called St. Gallen. It is so good to have you on the Food Truck Scholar Podcast. Now, a lot of people like Switzerland. How did you find them? Twitter is an amazing tool if you use it properly. So that's how we connected with Spice Republic. Yeah. Yeah. So can you just tell us, <laughs> I love it sometimes. Can you just tell us, yeah. how did you get involved in cooking? It's been one of my kind of hobbies that I've been really passionate about ever since I was young. My background, I'll give you a bit of a understanding. My background is half Sri Lankan, half Filipino. So there's been like a, a fusion of different that were introduced in my family. And yes, since I was little, I've always been you know, interested in cooking. I'm, I'm also from London. I also had a Welsh neighbor who also taught me English cooking. So I just had that kind of passion for it. And 
it's one of those things where I said to myself, I tried to do cooking school when I was young, but it is a lot of work. And my passion was actually in uh, two things. I was a designer and also a cook. So I went into the design field. And then, yeah, my kind of my career kicked off in uh, design and in web production. And I've been doing that over the last kind of 15, 15, 16 years. So that's why I wanted to get back into cooking. And then, yeah, I'll give you a bit more story about it. I think what I've done was beginning of, I think, no, not beginning, just at the end of last year, I decided I'll see how this kind of cooking can pick up. So what we've done was um, we spoke to a local barman in our area and then we pitched the food there it was actually myself at the time and then you know showed the type of food where i kind of mixed up loads of different influences of sri lankan jamaican mauritian you know north indian south indian person loved it it really was like a, a kind of proof concept at the time and then we started it really i would say just in, in november mm-hmm. uh, where we done it like once a week in this local pub and it just blew it just really kicked off where we were just taking so many bookings where we even had to cancel bookings due to the fact of capacity. Wow. That is amazing. <laughs> that is amazing. Yeah. And so you've had this career in design for 15, 16 years, but in the back of your mind, you also want to give the food, the cooking a shot as well. And so are you still yeah. somewhat involved in design or have you completely uh, transitioned over into the cooking? No, yeah. So this is what happened. So we were doing really, really well to the point where the barman was even uh, telling us to do three nights a week. So we decided to do two. This was just before the COVID experience happened. But we were like, it just literally put a kind of stop in all of our plans because we were just thinking we're doing really well. There is a take for this week. And let me also give you also a background about where I live as well. I live in an area where there's not that many kind of cultural foods here, such as Indian or you would never find any Jamaican food stores anywhere. So, so this was, you know, also a chance for me to see was the food receptive to the area I live in. And because it was really receptive and it was really good, we then decided that, okay, we we have a winner here. We should start thinking about opening up a restaurant. So that was our first kind of protocol where we wanted to look around and we found places where we wanted to open up. And the idea was that we would open up our restaurant this year. That was the plan. And obviously with COVID, we also had to change up a few things and then reevaluate how, how do we then start this business. And this is where the idea of the food truck then came in. We've been analyzing what's happening. Everything's changing so fast and regulations are changing. Like looking, how can we make the food truck business work? Is there a big food truck scene in Switzerland and is it big in your area or is it something that people are just now starting to come towards because of COVID? There is literally no food trucks around there. There is, as she say, a food stall that comes once every Friday in the week, but there's literally nothing. And I'm talking like where I live in general. We go to places like Zurich or Geneva. Obviously, they will in the city places, they do have these food trucks. There's nothing. So the opportunity there was, was also begging for us to say, okay, we should start looking more into this and expanding the business there and then thinking about a restaurant once everything calms down with COVID. And yeah, this is this is our plan at the moment. So we're in the process of actually, we're actually in the process of building this um, food truck and we're just halfway in there. And also, let me give you a, a bit more context on the aspect of Spice Republic. So when people asked me the name, it was really the case where... Um, I like the name. I just came up with the name, and to be honest, but then I thought to myself, if I tied myself down to a specific type of food, like South Indian or 
Indian food in general or Mauritian food, then I'm always going to be tailored to making this food, expanding onto different, as you say, different cultures. So the idea behind Spice Republic was that it's actually a fictional story of a blind man, which I have a, um, a bunch of creative writers um, writing up this story at the moment. And the idea behind it is that there was going to be three books that made up the story of Spice Republic. And each book was going to be a representation of a restaurant in some sense. Does that make sense? Yes, yes. I'm following. <laughs> so this fictional story would also influence the menus and influence the naming of our foods. And this was where I wanted to expand it because there is no, no one who does that. Where if you think of where people have made up fictional stories of to background your food, like for instance, something like Gorillas, which is a you know, music band, they use a fictional band to make their stories of their music. And we thought the same thing. Why don't we make something fictional and then influence our menus in that way? So right now, at the moment, I have three creative writers and four different design artists who are just basically doing these stories while we're doing our branding and marketing behind it. And the idea behind that is that we will do the food truck and the first restaurant will be the name of the book. And so we will be able to buy some of the books while we're at the food truck or are they going to be online? How are we going to do that? Yeah, it'll be an online thing. So what we want to do is also build that avenue um, of creative marketing in there. And then we want people to go there and go onto websites and you know go on there and start talking about it. But then also it's really tied into the food and tied into the branding of our uh, couple. So it's completely, if I really want to do is shock people. I want people to be like, what is this? Why are they doing this? And that's our, our kind of tactic in getting people not only to know about the food shop, but to know about the company in general. I'm, I'm excited to see it. And you're in the, the building phase. <laughs> I'm excited to see it. I'm always interested in different concepts and unique concepts. I've, I've traveled all over the United States and I was in, I was actually in London last summer and I was in mm-hmm. Bristol. And then five nice. years ago, I was in China. I lived in China for a few months. I'm very curious to see how the food truck culture and landscape looks beyond the United States and of course in Canada, but I'm I'm excited to see it. So you're in the building process for the truck and what has it been like in terms of doing the research, trying to figure out what all the laws, the regulations, because you're in an area that there really aren't any food trucks. There are some in some of the other cities, but what has that been like in terms of doing the research to get started? I think that's the main, I would say, the main hurdle that you need to do whenever you suggest that we haven't done a food truck. But I think it's understanding the different laws because each Switzerland's very different in housing my government in the UK. So each different county or state, as you call it, would have different laws that abide by their people. So if, like, um, if one county doesn't like to have any fast food restaurants because of obesity and they think it's unhealthy, you know, then they won't have it. So it's, it was a case of us understanding what was the laws behind it, what was what did we need to um, make sure that we were matching in health aspects and also the normal um, hygiene standards. What what is the standards um, that Switzerland needs to abide to? How do you store your food? Where are you getting your food? And everyone here is very they're very receptive to having local produce because they have a lot of farmland. They have a lot of areas where you know people do. Um, shop in local markets and they like that so that was one, one big uh, factor we had to look into which was also a cost aspect because there's higher costs when you buy from these from these local markets and I guess it was yeah it was the case that not only did we have to look at for the different counties we also had to uh, look at different rules 
where we want to just um, um, place our food truck. Certain towns do not allow you to put them in car parks. So you have to rent it from private car parks if you wanted to be there. And it's very hard to rent it from somewhere that's going to be a centralized place where everyone's going to walk past or you're going to get that kind of customer base that are just going to see you as and when needed. So, yeah, I think that was one of our biggest challenges. And that's what I would say we're still researching at the moment. And I think, yeah, also for the food truck in general, what we wanted to make sure is that we have the facilities to do what we want to do. One of the, one of the big things in Indian food, which is which matters a lot, is that they use a thing called a tandoor oven. And a tandoor oven is a big, you know, really heated clay oven where it's very hard to have in the food truck. But there is uh, facilities that have um, that built for us where we've looked into we've looked into all the little little details not on just law but also we've looked into our customer journeys me as a designer ux designer i look into how people come to your websites and what do they look for and what is interesting to them so what i've done is look into our customer journeys on how do we get people to go to the food truck if they're so used to going to somewhere or how do we um, entice them to read more about the menu or know about this so we've also gone into the granular details to sure to be sure that we can see those little pockets of um, ways we can improve ourselves. Now, that type of research is critical. And a lot of people either don't know to do that or may not necessarily know the tools and how to do that. Yeah. (laughs) I think it's one of the key skills that I brought into because we look into our personas. One of the main things that we look into, three types of personas that we perceive are going to be our customer base, you know, Patrick and people who want to try something, want want something new that's not there. Then there's people who are stuck in those ways. And we looked at their, their motivation, their pain points, their needs, analyzed it very thoroughly to understand, like, how do we then get those people that are on the lower scale? And so are any of those resources free or low cost or are they like things that need a, a consultant or a designer to do? Um, I would say... Um, um, it's hard because most UX designers only understand web, but I think the same principles can still be brought on to any business. You can even have a UX designer design your door and they will look into the key factors on, oh yeah, this person pulled a handle, or would they understand if they put a round handle, would they turn it? Or how do you know that somebody's coming in from the other side if you put a round, a round handle? So it's basic common knowledge for UX designers to, to analyze, not just anything in web, but any, it's about users' behaviors and understanding. So for all of you listening, find you a UX designer and get your life <laughs> That's what I heard from that is make sure you get a UX designer. <laughs> I will be looking for one shortly. I mean, yeah, UX is such a big thing and it's a, it's a big, massive thing that's been blown up for the last like 10, 20 years. But you can even analyze the people who have who make burgers, you can analyze from a user's perspective, do they want those really big, messy burgers? And if so, how do you then build packaging that doesn't make it so messy for them? And what is the kind of napkins that will help them? You can get these kind of plastic napkins, or you can get those really soft um, tissue napkins, and which one helps with something that um, is so messy? There are UX designers that do analyze stuff like this. I am learning so much from you and I am great. Hey, my mind is full. Now you're going to make my stomach empty because now I'm going to ask you about some of the dishes that you're thinking about. I know that it's going to be a wider range of different cultures and different palates, but can you talk to us a little bit about what that could look like? 
Yeah, I come from um, uh, an area in London, in southwest London, where it's a, it's a fusion of Jamaican people, Sri Lankan people, Pakistani people, Polish people. There's certainly influences. Our menus had was a mixture of all those different types of cultures. We make we wanted to make um, beef patties. Jamaican beef patties is the most amazing thing in the world. And this is something where we said we can't tie it down to a South Indian type of food. This is where we said, now we have that kind of freedom to do whatever we want. Our menus were consistent of... Um, Sri Lankan food, I would say, go to a Sri Lankan wedding or anything. They have these things called mutton rolls. They don't, they don't really eat lamb. Mutton is really the one for Sri Lankan people. And we serve that, which is absolutely one of those. It, it gets sold out so quick every single time we had the, our nights. There's also another Indian, I would say, it was mid, I would say mid to south Indian dish, which is called chicken 65, fried chicken with very loads of different spices and then with the spine, with the deep fry, we also put a nice glaze on top. There are fish rolls, which is also an influence from, I would say, the Tamil bit of South India. You know, we call fish cutlets, and yeah, and those are kind of like our starters. Again, all different different ways of cooking it. And the, the fish one was an influence of Mauritian. Yeah, it's a very French influence, French Mauritian dish that was um, that influenced that. And these are served with either rice or a, a bread called a dal puri, which is different to a normal, as you say, naan bread. It's a very soft one with chickpea grindings inside the middle, which cooks inside when you when you cook it on a pan, so it steams inside it. And really, yeah, that was one of our biggest sellers, the, the fish and uh, and dal puri. Um, and for dessert, I put in an English thing, which is called sticky coffee pudding, which is an amazing dessert in the whole of England. If any of your listeners are from England, they will. And yeah, that's our only kind of um, dessert. Reason being, I, I, that's my just my opinion. I didn't find any really nice Indian desserts that were needed on our dish or needed on our menu. So, what's the name of the uh, the British dessert again? Um, sticky toffee pudding. Sticky toffee pudding, huh? Sticky toffee pudding. If you look this up, I would say try to make it, taste it, and then, yeah, if any of you listen to do it, yeah, tell them to post up their feedback on your Twitter, and then you'll see the results. <laughs> I will do that, actually, and I think I'll tag you. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's I'll an do. amazing. It's like a hot sponge cake with caramel, and then you serve it with cold ice cream on top, Ooh. and it's just, yeah. <laughs> See, when you said caramel, I was already there. Oh, then you put the ice cream with it. Okay. I see why that's going to yeah, be the only yeah. one on the truck. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I see it. I see the vision now. I'm I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> yeah. So this is why we've done this. This is why we said to ourselves, with this whole Spice Republic and this creative side, it's one of the things I've always had a passion about, creative and designing and, you know, artistic aspect i wanted to bring both together and then it, it really then freed us to do that thing of mixing up the various different types of cultures of food and yeah i think from where my business partners and everyone who's involved they really, really are back in this idea where it's never been done yeah you're absolutely trailblazing a path from what it sounds like to me and that's an exciting moment it can be daunting on one hand because it's okay what can i go to for mental and support but on the other hand it's a very exciting journey because you get to create a lot of the rules as you go along you get to figure out what you like and what you don't and you get a chance to create a new experience for many people in that area yeah. congratulations to you on that <laughs> it hasn't kicked off yet. Once it, once it kicks off, uh, let's see. 
when does it kick off? So I know you're in the the process of building. Do you have an ex, uh, estimated start or launch date? I think we're going to try try and see probably mid-July next year. Mid-July. Reason being, I think we just need to see what's happening with what events are being cancelled in the front and centre. Stricter rules are now being brought in day by day. So we're just really playing it cool to not um, jump in so uh, fast, just basically letting um, let everything calm down and decide. Because it's very different to what's happening in America to what's happening in Europe with COVID. From what I see on the news, there is I can see a difference in the restrictions that are happening. So what we're doing is just really, really analyze every single point to make sure that once we're ready to go to market, we're ready to go and we have our plans in place on hitting the right places, making sure we have our laws, our certificates and everything in by hand and yeah, we're just going to go straight for it. So we're just, we're probably, I would say mid-July is probably what uh, we've put in as a date, but that can all, uh, all, always change. So over there's actually more and more sh- like uh, restriction as you all are preparing yeah. for COVID. Yeah, so over here, we're seeing moments where the governments at the different state levels and what have you are starting to open back up. I think we started back opening May in some sp- in some spaces, I think right now in Indiana, I believe we're at stage five. That's a fully reopening. It's a different thing. So it's always very interesting to hear how other places, how they're responding to the pandemic and what measures are being put into place. But I will say whenever you launch, I look forward to hearing more about it. I look forward to seeing some of the menus, some of the meals posted on Twitter, because I have to then book a flight to Switzerland. Who would have thought? And I have to try. <laughs> <laughs> I got to try this uh, sticky toffee pudding. I, I want the ice cream, the caramel. That just all sounds <laughs> magical. Yeah, no, definitely. When, uh, when everything comes up, take a flight and come, come test our food. Absolutely. So for those who want to connect and possibly join me on a flight to Switzerland, how can they connect with you on social media? And so we have our Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. So you can find us at Spice Republic and CH on Twitter and also on Instagram. And we also have a dedicated Facebook called Spice Republic. Awesome, awesome, awesome. I have enjoyed talking to you. This is our first conversation. I hope it is the first of many more to come. Uh, do keep us updated on your progress. I would love to check in and see how everything is going. I'm slowly but surely putting together my order in my head of what I want. I think I want the Jamaican patty and some other things. I, I'm, I'm very excited about where this is going. Excellent. Thank you. Now, I really appreciate you having us on your podcast there. And I think, yeah, it's been really nice speaking to you. And we'll definitely uh, keep in touch and tell you on our progress and see how we expand. Did you save room for dessert? I may be out of time, but I'm definitely not out of material. Make sure you follow the Food Truck Scholar on all social media platforms, including our YouTube channel, and join the All Things Food Trucks Club on Clubhouse. I can't wait to connect with you. But for now, I'm Ariel D. Smith signing off, reminding you to buy local, eat local, and support your neighborhood food truck. I'll see you next week.